Hi, this is Pastor Bob. Today is number two in the series that I'm teaching on liberating your faith. You don't need more faith. What you need to do is free your faith up from unbelief, and you'll find out that faith can do anything. Remove any mountain, remove any tree, cast out any devil, bring you victory in life when you find out the power of what your faith can do when you liberate it from unbelief. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Great to have you with me today. I want to say hi to all Jews who may be watching for the first time. You stumbled across this broadcast. Well, you didn't just stumble. I think you were led by God to come here. Glad you're joining with us today. For those who have been watching for some time, thank you. For those who have been watching for a long time and have become a partner with me, not only I'm glad you're watching, I am really glad you're watching. Thank you because the watching today has come about because of your faithfulness to give, your faithfulness to stand with me. If you are not a partner with me, what are you waiting for? Come on, join in with all those who are having a great time seeing this broadcast just you know double and triple and continue on. But on top of that, we're gonna see a lot of people in heaven that were already saved, but started watching this broadcast and became a stronger disciple of the Lord, and they started leading others to the Lord. This has been the great response from the broadcast is, listen, Converts get to go to heaven, but disciples take other people with them. I want to raise up a generation that's going to take other people to heaven with them. That's what this broadcast is about, to take the word of God, open it up, and show the simple revelation of it. And so if you'd like to become a partner with me, go to bobyandian.com. You'll find a place there on the face page where you can become a partner with me. I will be so glad to have you join me because I believe in what I'm doing, love what I'm doing, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit's upon it. But you know what? It still takes people who partner with me to get this broadcast out there. Thank you very much. We're talking about, from the Word of God, unbelief. We're talking about liberating ourselves from unbelief, liberating our faith by removing unbelief, and this is the problem. The disciples came to Jesus, and they were talking to him, and Jesus, you know, originally, when we started this particular broadcast yesterday, uh, Jesus was talking to them, and, they, and he, the, he said, I want you to learn to walk in love toward, and he mentioned some people, and they said, oh, Lord, increase our faith. He said, I don't need to increase increase your faith. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, that's so tiny, he said, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and thrown into the sea and it will obey you. Now that's a lot for a small thing that size to do. But Jesus referred to it again one day. And when the disciples were trying to cast out a devil, they failed. We pointed out that in this particular case, this is the first failure they had in casting out a devil. They'd been successful all this time before, but the difference in this case was it was the first time they did it in a crowd in a street. They'd been in homes, they'd been away from other people, and they cast out a devil, and they were, in fact, the first time they cast out a devil, they came to Jesus rejoicing, saying, even the demons are subject unto us through your name. And of course, Jesus told them, he said, huh, this is nothing. He said, compared to having eternal life, if your names are written in heaven, that's what you should be rejoicing about. Jesus literally put this down on a level where he says, it's just a daily thing you're going to do. But going to heaven is a one-time thing. I mean, you receive Jesus and now you're going to heaven and you'll have it forever. Anything else we have in the Christian life is temporary. 
Uh, if we get healed, it'll last the rest of our life maybe, but you know what? The point of it is, if you live 40 more years, then your healing lasted 40 years, but your salvation from the moment you receive it is eternal. You'll be with him in heaven. That's why we rejoice that our name is written in heaven because it is eternal. Now the disciples in this case failed. They were surrounded by a group of people, they were surrounded by the Pharisees who mocked them, made fun of them. Then the boy fell on the ground and started foaming at the mouth. They had never, and they were just like, they were overwhelmed by the circumstances. And so the father called Jesus over and said, would you cast out the devil? Jesus did it. Matthew 17 verses 18 and 19, Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him, and the child was cured at that time. Then the disciples came to Jesus separately apart and said, why couldn't we cast him out? Now again, Jesus could have gone through all the details. Well, you guys were just embarrassed, and I know the problems and all the stuff there. No, when Jesus talked about them, they were confused at their failure, and they were confused by Jesus' success. They'd been successful before. Jesus in Matthew 10, 1 gave them authority to, uh, to cast out demons and they ran out and tried it and came back in Luke 10, 17, right at that very same time. And they said, wow, the devils are subject unto us in your name. Matthew 17, again, was the only time of, of many times that they had met a demon, but they were not successful this time. Why? Well, Mark 9, again, verses 14 through 27, fills in all the natural sides of this thing. But when Jesus talked to them in Matthew 17, I want you to turn there with me. This is where we're going to continue today. In Matthew 17, 20, Jesus explained to them why they could not cast out the devil. He says, it's because of your unbelief. Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For truly, I say to you, if you have faith, as a grain of mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, remove from here to another place, that's the sea, and it will be removed and nothing will be impossible to you. Notice this, faith the size of a mustard seed, which you received at salvation, doesn't have to grow. If it can handle the new birth, take you from being a sinner to a saint, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, bring you from spiritual death into spiritual life, make you a member of God's family and remove you from Satan's family. If it can do all of that and display the exceeding greatness of God's power that raised Jesus from the dead into your life and raised you from the dead, then surely it can heal you. Surely it can cast out a devil because these things are so small. I said it yesterday, but why if all it takes is a mustard seed to move a mountain, why do we think now after salvation it takes a mountain of faith to move a mustard seed? It simply comes back to it. If it can do the biggest thing that ever existed in your life, it can handle these small things, temporary things that we face in daily life. Jesus tells them in this verse of scripture, he said, it's because of your unbelief. I say to you, if you have faith, again, the size of the grain of mustard seed, he said before it could move a tree, that's a small problem. Now it can move a mountain, a huge problem. Remove from here to another place. It will be removed and nothing shall be impossible for you. Again, Jesus tells them the faith they have is plenty. Faith the size of a mustard seed will move both an implanted tree and a mountain, move it into the ocean. The mustard seed of faith that saved you will deliver you from small problems, large problems, set other people free. It's not the size of the problem, a tree or a mountain. It's the power of your faith that you need to zero in on. I ended yesterday talking about the song when I was growing up. It was called The Ant That Wanted to Move a Rubber Tree Plant. And this ant kept looking at that rubber tree plant and the ant had high hopes. You know what that simply means to us and we're in the kingdom of God, faith. 
he had that ant had faith and he kept looking at that rubber tree plant and finally decided and by the end of the song that it simply said there goes another rubber tree plant and there goes another rubber tree plant because the ant was moving it imagine you know looking there and seeing that rubber tree plant moving so you lift it up and there's an ant underneath it you go whoa look at that this ant was moving that we have something better we can have a mountain moving. Lift up the mountain, look underneath it, and something the size of a mustard seed is moving that mountain. God simply says, I gave you more than enough. You look at your problems, they may look this small. You may look at other problems, they look this big. God simply says, the same faith will move it both. The ant with high hopes was under the rubber tree plant. Ants can move cake. You've seen that when you've been on a, you know, out there with your family and you're going out there to have a picnic and you see a little piece of cake moving off. You look underneath it, there's an ant under there. You think, look at that ant. It's moving that piece of cake. You look under the cake, you see the ant. Under a moving mountain, you lift it up, you see a mustard seed. What Jesus was saying is the problem is not your faith, but the resistance to your faith of unbelief. It comes back to this, listen to this. If unbelief is not present, faith can move anything. The life of faith was never intended to be a tug of war. So don't work on your faith, work on the unbelief. Don't work on the power of your faith and try to increase it. Work on what's holding your faith back because again, faith was never designed to be a tug of war. And what happens is your faith starts to work for you, but if unbelief is present, there's this tug of war and nothing happens. Jesus instructed his disciples a lot about unbelief. And so in Mark chapter six and verse six, it says, Jesus marveled at them because of their unbelief. This was when they were in the boat, in the ship. Uh, this is when Jesus stilled the storm and the disciples go, wow, look at that. Jesus again marveled at their unbelief. Mark chapter 16 and verse 14, it says, afterwards he appeared to the 11. This is again, seeing them and they sat to eat and he upbraided them for their unbelief. So again, the disciples had problem with unbelief. What's God's instruction to us today? Not only do we look back at Jesus and his disciples, we can also look back to the Old Testament and find out this is not a new problem. The problem's been around for a long time. Why couldn't Israel, the first generation, go into the promised land? It was because of their unbelief. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 19, and Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 6 tells us, so we see that they... That's the first generation of Israel that was in the desert, could not enter into the promised land because of unbelief. So they wouldn't hang on the promise of God. They had faith. They had the power of God. They didn't have as many scriptures as we do, but the faith that they operated in could deliver them, bring them out of the wilderness into the promised land, but they couldn't enter in because of their unbelief. They kept griping and complaining in every situation. They saw what was wrong when the, uh, you know, when they ran out of water, they saw what was wrong when they didn't like the manna that God sent from heaven. They complained all the time about what was wrong what was wrong, what was wrong, instead of what God had supplied. And he said they could not enter in because of unbelief. The disciples got caught up in the crowd. They got caught up with the uh, rebellion and the, and the viciousness coming at them from the Pharisees. They also got caught up with the fact that the boy was 
you know, vomiting there on the ground and, and, and throwing up on the ground because of this demon. And it scared them. And so they were looking at that and unbelief just seemed to swallow them up and their faith wouldn't work. In Hebrews chapter four and verse 11, so let us labor to enter into that rest lest any man fail after the same example of unbelief. Notice it says that, they, that any man fail. The way we fail is getting our eyes off the promises of God over the simpleness of faith, over the smallness of what it takes to move our mountains or move our trees. It simply comes back to that again. And we, we fail just like they did with the same example of unbelief. So we don't have to go just to Jesus and the disciples. We can go back to a generation of thousands of believers in the desert that couldn't move into the promised land because of their unbelief. It wasn't until the second generation that they rose up and said, we can conquer that land. Your tiny speck of faith asks only one thing, keep me unhindered, free from unbelief, and I'll move every mountain and every tree in your life. Small problems, big problems are no problem for me. I can move one just as easy as the other and lift them both up and cast them into the sea. You can stand there and watch as I change everything around you if you just do one thing. Keep me unhindered and free from unbelief. I have all that power. That's what your faith has the power to do. If it can save you, deliver you, move you into Satan, out of Satan's kingdom, into God's kingdom, out of Satan's family, into God's family, then understand this. That's the biggest miracle you'll ever need. It can solve these temporary problems in your life. When we come back from the break, I'll tell you how do we get rid of unbelief? What does the word of God have to say about it? I'll see you right after halftime. When it feels like your faith is weak and it seems like something is keeping you from reaching your calling, it's time to liberate your faith. At one point, Jesus told his disciples that their faith problem was actually an unbelief problem. They had all the faith they needed in their mustard seed faith, but it was being blocked by their unbelief. We are constantly attacked and distracted by the happenings in this world around us and by all of the things we see and hear that are not the Word of God. If we pay much attention to them, they fill our hearts with unbelief. Join Pastor Bob Yandian to learn how to combat all this unbelief and liberate your faith. Topics include understanding unbelief, starving your unbelief, and changing your desires. Order Liberating Your Faith on CDs or as an MP3 download by visiting bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified, redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, 
healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Turn with me again to Matthew 17, 20. I'll read this first and read the next verse. But uh, while you're finding that again, this comes from my series on liberating your faith. And listen, they told you I can have a copy. Don't just not listen to it. Get yourself. Order it for yourself because you know what? There's more to this than just what I'm teaching in these two lessons here on television. Matthew 17, 20, when they asked Jesus, why couldn't we cast out the demon? Jesus said in verse 20 of Matthew 17, because of your unbelief. Not the fact you don't have enough faith. We always think sometimes, I mean, not sometimes, all the time, practically. Whenever something does that, we think, oh, I didn't have enough faith. And when someone says they prayed and nothing happened, you say, oh, well, maybe you didn't have enough faith and you got to get more faith. No, that little mustard seed that got you saved, which is the greatest miracle of all, can do all these smaller things for you after that. But the problem is not your faith, it's the unbelief. Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for truly I say to you, if you have faith, as a grain of mustard seed, that tiny little bit of faith, you can say to this mountain, remove from here to another place and it will be removed and nothing will be impossible to you. What Jesus was saying there in those verses of scripture was the same faith that got you saved can now do smaller things. And you may think they're gigantic things because you can see them, but you know what? This is nothing compared to the fact that I destroyed principalities and powers, made a show of them openly, triumphed over them, and offer that triumph to you the moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Go with me now to verse 21, and here's the problem. If you're going to verse 21, many of you are going to say, I don't have it. It's not there. Many of the scholars do not believe that verse 21 belongs in there. I'm going to disagree, and I'll show you why I disagree. I think they've taken the wrong interpretation of this verse of Scripture, but if you take the correct interpretation, it fits perfectly into what Jesus is saying. And so most of them will say the same thing. This isn't found in some of the manuscripts because, and they'll tell you, let's read the verse together, Matthew 17, 21. If you don't have it, it's found in your King James, it's found in your New King James, it's found in a couple other translations but there's a little footnote over on the side of it. And this is what Jesus said. However, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. What was he saying? Well, the reason why scholars believe this shouldn't be in there is because they think he was referring to the demon. However, this type of demon doesn't come out except by prayer and fasting. My first thought comes to this. Why would Jesus go into a long explanation of unbelief and then say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. None of that matters because you know what? This is a different type of demon. And to get rid of this type of demon, you don't just cast it out. You have to do it by prayer and fasting. Well, let me just say something. Does this verse belong in the context? I think it does because it's not referring to the demon. It's referring to the unbelief. This type of unbelief does not come out except by prayer and fasting because the demon wasn't the problem. The unbelief was the problem. And Jesus is simply unbelief, unbelief, unbelief. And verse 21 amplifies unbelief. It does not amplify what he was saying here about a demon. Jesus was not referring to a demon. All demons are subject to Jesus' name, Luke chapter 10, verse 17 through 19, and no demon is removed by works. Our works will not remove a demon. And that's If that's what this verse is saying, is this type of demon doesn't come out except you pray over it and fast over it, and that is absolutely not true. Unbelief is what Jesus was referring to. And this type of unbelief 
has to be starved to death. And that's what he's saying. It comes out but by fasting and prayer. Why does he say this kind? It's because there's two kinds, two types of unbelief. Unbelief here, and we're talking about it, there's two types of unbelief, active unbelief and passive unbelief. What's the difference between the two? In active unbelief, you brought about the unbelief. Why? Because active unbelief is willing unbelief, which comes from rebellion and sin. You know you're in sin, you just don't want to admit it. Now you turn around and try to cast out a devil, it's not working, why? Because you will not repent of your sin. Active unbelief defies the word of God and defies the power of God. The Exodus generation was guilty of this unbelief. The Israelites hardened their own heart and spoke out against God and Moses. They hardened their hearts and could not enter in because of unbelief. There it is. They hardened their own hearts. They refused to believe God. They refused to believe his promises. They griped every single time. Every time they faced a problem, they said, Moses, this is your fault. And then they say, this is God's fault. He'd tell them what the promises said and they would still gripe and complain. There was no repentance in their hearts. Psalm 66 and verse 18 says this, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That's exactly what he was talking about. This is not the unbelief the disciples had. This again that I'm talking about here is active unbelief. They had passive unbelief. This unbelief is removed by simply confessing your sin. What we're talking about here, if it's sin, it's removed by confessing your sin. It's a simple answer to it. Even though it is their fault, even though it's the people who are sinning against God, they made the choice to rebel against God. It was sin. And if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. What do I need to do? Regard the iniquity and know it and pinpoint it, then confess it to the Lord. This unbelief is simply removed moved by confessing your sins. If we confess this unbelief, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our unbelief and then cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But again, this was not the belief of Jesus' disciples. Theirs was passive unbelief. Passive unbelief was their problem with the demon, trying to cast this demon out. And they had passive unbelief, which simply is this. Passive unbelief comes from the over-occupation with the legitimate things of life. It produces a double-minded man, as we are told in the word of God, unstable, who cannot receive anything from the Lord. And so the prophet that's speaking there, the New Testament writer that's speaking there, is simply amplifying what things happened in the Old Testament. Let me say this again, passive unbelief comes from over-occupation with the legitimate things of life. We get so involved in the things of life that our Bible study begins to go down, our time of meditation begins to go down, our time of prayer begins to go down, our worship life begins to go down, and we start letting other things begin to creep into our life. It starts out small and it keeps creeping and creeping and creeping. It produces again a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways and cannot receive anything from the Lord. And in this case, they couldn't cast out a devil. Mark chapter four describes this type of passive unbelief in verses 18 and 19, describes it as thorns that choke the word and make it unfruitful. Notice you don't need more word. You need to get rid of the thorns that are choking the word. The necessities of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, the lusts of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. The parable warns us about the results of too much time spent with legitimate things. Like thorns removing unbelief, it takes work to get them out and the work involved here is this type of unbelief comes out only by prayer and by fasting.
So again, we come back to it. How do you starve unbelief? If unbelief is the problem and the way we've got to do it is by fasting and prayer, literally the fasting here is not talking about food. That fasting is talking about is what's causing the unbelief, the legitimate things of life that you've let creep in and occupy too much of your time, where now this much of your time is taken up with the things of the world, the things of life, and this much time is taken up with the things of God. Do you remember when the word and prayer was the most important thing in your life? You look forward every day to the, near, to the next coming church service. Guest speakers, seminars, it really didn't matter. You were there. You were involved in teaching children, working with youth, ushering, greeting. You took notes from the pastor's sermon. You went home and studied them again and again. When you felt sickness coming, you trusted God first, then thought about a doctor. I'm not against doctors, but why don't you just trust God first? And then if that didn't seem to work out, go see a doctor. But I can simply tell you this, God simply saying here, put him first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. But now we don't seek the kingdom of God first. We think of it third or fourth down the list as we go down the list of options and finally God's down there. And we even come up with this, oh God, has it come to prayer? And you remember back on those times. Do you remember when you witnessed to others about Jesus? And you depended on the Holy Spirit to open doors, guide you to those who wanted Jesus to be born again. You depended on the gifts of the Holy Spirit to lead people to Jesus, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. These things were given to you to help you understand the person you were witnessing to. And this is exactly what the Holy Spirit was given to you. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you to be my witnesses. So you start to depend on the Holy Spirit. These things begin to come to you. And now what God is simply saying is you need to come back to that. You need to start fasting the things of life. Does television control you? Does, does radio control you? I mean, do those, you know, do those talk shows, uh, you know, political talk shows captivate your time? Do you listen to classic rock and, and country music and things like that? Listen, there's nothing wrong with these things. Just cut the amount of it way down. Jesus won individuals mainly by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and that's what they were given to you for. But to listen, to operate in the gifts of the Spirit demands praying in tongues. The more you pray in tongues, the more you begin to operate in those gifts. But you know, when's the last time you spent any time praying in the Spirit, building yourselves up on your most holy faith and receiving revelation from God about things that were happening during the day, the call on your life, again, and especially to win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ sat on a plane one day and the boy that sat beside, a young man sat beside, the moment he sat down, the Holy Spirit said to me, he's ready to receive me. Within a few moments we were talking and before that plane even took off, I led him to the Lord. And he said that he knew he had been talking to friends about being saved and he said no. And then we decided he wanted to do it. He couldn't remember how to do it and prayed that morning <laughs> that he would see somebody, meet somebody who could tell him how to receive Jesus. And a few hours later, we sat next to each other on an airplane. As a Christian, do you remember when you rarely listened to rock stations or watch much television? Your car was filled with Bible teaching. Your home and office at work were filled with books teaching the word of God. You fill every open place in your life with the word. In those days, your faith worked every time. Every mountain moved, headed toward the sea at your command. Your faith was small, but here's the point. It was free from unbelief. Now, every time you get into your car, you listen to rock, pop, country, oldies, music, or the news. The word of God and teaching books fight for an open spot along with everything else in your life. And when you come home from work, you sit in front of the television and watch shows and videos for hours. 
If it's any wonder that demons who used to flee are ever present and the mountains which used to head toward the sea now won't budge, the faith which used to be unhindered is now stifled by human reasoning. Relief from this type of unbelief demands prayer and fasting. In other words, unbelief feeds off input from the world. Turn off the world and turn on God's word and enter his presence. Fasting food doesn't mean you never eat again. You gain control over the food and that food doesn't control you. You can listen to your music again one day when you control it. You can watch TV and it, when you, one day when you can control it. Try using your time more for the kingdom of God and increasing in the word of God and you'll find out you're liberating your faith and you can go back to moving any mountain in your life. You can cast any tree into the ocean because why? God simply says again with your faith, you get rid of the unbelief and you can move anything. See you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.